Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 1, Episode 15, titled Bato of the Water Tribe. Okay, so I know this episode is fairly divisive among the Avatar fan base. Some people love it. Some people think it's trash. Like, there's a lot of controversy around this particular episode of the show. I personally think it's brilliant. I really love this episode for so many reasons. It's such a phenomenal character piece. Across the board, for all the main three, especially Sokka. And I think a lot of people miss the point of this episode in a couple of places, which I'll get to later on. But that whole opening sequence, that whole first third of the episode, when it starts off with Sokka discovering there was a Water Tribe v. Fire Nation battle, and it ended, and that Water Tribe fleet left, But there's one ship remaining, and it is one of Katara and Sokka's father's fleet. And they get all excited, because, oh, dad was here. And you have that flashback, that gut-wrenching flashback to Sokka having to say goodbye to his father, being left behind by his father. It's so, so gut-wrenching, so sad, and such an effective flashback that really does set the stage for the internal character conflict of this episode. And then Bato shows up randomly, Uh, Katara, Sokka, and Bato have this really heartwarming reunion, and it's really amazing. They go to Bato's home, or where Bato's currently staying. They have stewed sea prunes. They trade stories from the Southern Water Tribe, and Aang's just, meanwhile, off to the side, kind of not knowing what to do with himself, because... He is not a part of this. He has not been at the Southern Water Tribe for all the things they're talking about. So he's kind of just in the corner, almost like an outcast. Like, for once, for once, the Avatar is not the center of attention. Uh, And to skip ahead for a bit, 
I'll get to that decision in a minute. I love the ice dodging scene. Or rock dodging, I should say. The ice dodging scene is magnificent. It perfectly displays Sokka's qualities as a leader. It's very tense, very fun. I especially love when Sokka's like, Yeah, screw our assigned roles. Katara, bend all the water underneath us. Ang, airbend into that sail. And it's just like a really out-of-the-box line of thought to get over this, like, just row of rocks that comes up. But even before that, when they're just operating the boat, it's really well done. And I really, really love watching that sequence. And then you get the marks on the, the, the forehead thing, and you have that amazing moment after. But, of course, what I know people love to talk about and criticize of this episode, Aang's decision to hide the map to Katara and Sokka's father from them. He gets the map, and he just keeps it from them. For like half the episode. And a lot of people kind of lay into Aang for this. Like, oh, Aang would never do that. That's just him being an asshole. That's horrible. Why would he make that decision? Blah, blah, blah. His friends want to see their father. But, like, think about it. Really take a second and think of the frame of mind that Aang is in. At this moment. Aang has been in an iceberg for a hundred years. And whatever friends he had. That weren't killed at the air temple. Immediately afterwards. Have just. Withered away and died from old age. All over the world. He's got no one. He's just a scared 12-year-old boy with no one left, no idea what to do with himself, with this insurmountable challenge ahead of him, and the only two people in his life that he can call friends at the moment are Katara and Sokka. So it makes perfect sense to me that he would go to such lengths to keep his friends with him. To keep his friends from abandoning him. To keep from losing the only two people he has left. And it's not as if he's entirely comfortable with this. Like, he'd be one thing if he just had a giant smirk on his face of... <laughs> I I stopped Ang or I stopped Katara and Sokka from seeing their father again. <laughs> but no. Ang's genuinely guilty about it the entire time. Like he comes back and acts all bombastic and weird and just makes a fool of himself cuz he's terrified of what he just did. He's ashamed of what he just did. Uh the map falls out of his pocket at one point. And one of the Abbey sisters 
catches it and is like, Haha, I caught you. You should be ashamed of yourself. And Aang has this terrified moment of, <laughs> Until the Abbey sister clarifies, Littering in the courtyard. Like, he genuinely feels guilty about it. And then in the end, he does come clean. He does eventually say, Yeah, I did this. Like, he owns up to it. So it's not as if anything he does in this episode is totally out of character. Like, I don't understand the hate that this episode's get that this episode gets for having Aang make this decision. Because it all makes sense. The decision he makes and how he deals with the decision he did make afterwards. It all makes perfect sense to me. It all falls within the line of who Aang is at this point in the series. Now, if this type of thing happened in, say, season three, then we can talk. But I think for this highly immature stage in Aang's character development, I think it works. I think it fully, it feels fully in character. And... It is also very in character for Sokka and Katara to get so goddamn mad that even though they weren't going to leave Aang to begin with. Which makes this even more horrifying. They just are like, screw you, we're leaving, we're going to see dad. And sort of driving home my whole issue with the criticism of this episode, Aang literally says, as Katara and Sokka are leaving, I'm an idiot. Like, he acknowledges, I made the wrong choice. I made a bad call. I hurt my friends in an effort to keep them, and that was super sleazy of me. Like, it all makes sense, and I'm annoyed. Uh, like, it, it kind of annoys me when I hear this criticism of, Oh, Aang was an asshole in that moment. Aang made such a bad call there. And those people that criticize this episode for that decision, I think, are missing the point. Entirely. And then it also kind of feels in character for Sokka and Katara to go like, You know what? Yeah, we were too hard on Aang just now. Like we, Aang needs us. We can see Dad another time. Let's let's just find Aang and go to the North Pole with him. And it kind of brings this whole thing full circle of Hakoda telling Sokka, being a man is knowing when you're needed most. Is knowing where you're needed most. Like Sokka, finally, after so many years of questioning what the hell this separation from his father is about. After so many years, he finally comes to this realization of, oh, Aang needs me more. Aang needs me more than my father does at this moment. I can see my father at any time. I just need to see Aang. And Katara goes along with it because 
She also knows this. She knows even better than Sokka how important Aang is. And how important it is for them to be at Aang's side. It's this brilliant underscoring of how much these three characters need each other. And it's a perfect full circle arc for Sokka as well. Meanwhile, the sheer shoe tracking. Zuko hiring this lady who's got this gigantic sheer shoe, this horrific, like, monstrous beast, which I love. Which is absolutely badass. And just uses Katara's necklace and that sheer shoe to find Aang. I also really, really like June. She's just kind of this... She's just kind of this, eh, whatever, character who just doesn't care about anything. It's great. Also, um, can we talk about how creepy Iroh is towards June? <laughs> like, he's very clearly attracted to her in a physical manner. And it's weird. It's real weird. <laughs> it's not great. It's very uncomfortable to witness. Uh, but Zuko, Iroh, and June, riding the sheer shoe, having it track the scent of Katara by her necklace. And the assumption being, find Katara, find Aang. And I love that they kind of go through these places that the Avatar was over the past couple episodes. Uh, they come across the herbalist from Blue Spirit. They go into the town from the Fortune Teller. And I especially love how the Shearshu just stops outside the Fortune Teller's place, outside Aunt Wu's place. Because clearly the girl has spent a lot of time here. As they put it. <laughs> it's real good. And then it all leads. Well, they find Katara. Do the sheer shoe paralyzing tongue thing. Which is awesome. Find the map. Use that to track Aang back to the Abbey. Where the most awesome fight ever takes place. This fight in the Abbey is really phenomenal. It's so good. Like, it's just... There's so much happening. There's so much to this. You got the Shearshu fighting Nappa. You got Aang fighting Zuko. As Aang's trying to get the necklace back. I especially love this one moment, like, on this well, where they're just, like, very, very aggressively, like, tiptoeing around the rim of this well. And then Aang just diving in, Zuko blasting some fire, and then Aang just shooting up a bunch of water at him. 
<laughs> just in his face. Ang lands right next to the well. It it lightly drizzles for a minute, and then Zuko just falls flat on its on his face. It's so good. And Appa, freaking Appa, MVP of this episode. He is a badass in this fight against the Shear Shoe. Like, he's beating this thing up. It takes like 15 licks for him to go down. Literal licks. It's so good. <laughs> and I love the way it's resolved of, hey, uh, that thing sees with its nose. Let's just bend some perfume at it. And Katara does this perfume bending, which is so awesome. And just clouds the sheer shoe's vision, makes it go insane. It licks both June and Zuko and then just walks away. <laughs> and of course, Iroh is holding June in his arms. Laying on the ground as if he got hit with the tongue. But then Zuko outs him like, I didn't see you get hit with the tongue. Shh. <laughs> and then June has this look on her face like, get your goddamn hands off me. <laughs> and then they fly away. Aang gives Katara back her necklace, closing out that particular arc. And it's a really, really sweet ending to this really, really fantastic episode. Honestly, like, the people who criticize this episode and say, oh, it's complete trash, it's garbage, it's one of the worst episodes, analyze it a little further. Like, pay a bit closer attention to it, because it is just as brilliant as any other episode of Avatar. It's great. I, I love it. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's the simplest, just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1, Episode 16. Talk to you then.